The UK government has announced that they're adding American XL bullies to the list of banned dogs. American XL bullies were involved in 44% of attacks on people in 2023 and 75% of fatal dog attacks since 2021. That's despite making up only 1% of the UK dog population. It is now against the law in the UK to buy, sell, abandon, give away or breed from an XL bully dog. Your XL bully dog must be neutered and if out in public, it must be muzzled on a two metre lead with third party insurance and a certificate of exemption. What makes a dog likely to bite? What are the warning signs? And what does the science say about the brains of aggressive dogs and the impacts of blanket banning a breed? Welcome to the Dog Scholar. What exactly is an XL bully, according to the legislation? Because it's a type, not a breed, isn't it? In this country, it's a type. In America, it's, it's a breed recognised by the American Kennel Club. There's a number of crosses going into them, like American Staffordshire Terriers, Pitbull Terriers, so on. I, believe, I think, personally, in the UK, it kind of replaced the Pitbull, didn't it? It, it, was, it, it, was, it was more people who, who liked Pitbulls aesthetically and, you know, that was just your... Everyone has that one breed. You like you like your Sholos, I like Mallies, Jamie likes his Labs. The people who were more drawn towards Pitbulls kind of went towards XL bullies, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. They were bred for things like their bite force and their genetics so that they looked like that kind of dog, weren't they? It was, it was just bred to be a, a, a muscly, powerful, powerful yeah. dog, like a, like a, a giant, like a giant pit bull. There is no consistent XL bully due to the amount of dogs that have been bred. We're not as picky with what we're breeding from. We're not saying, right, nice, strong, level-headed dog, really social, really friendly. Let's breed it to this bitch that is really, it has the same characteristics. We're saying, that looks like that. That looks like this. Oh, that one's bicolor, tricolor. We can make more money out of that. And we're breeding them. Now, as a, when you're looking for aesthetics, you're overlooking temperament. And, and, and I'll tell you now, as, a, as an active dog trainer, and I see a lot of these dogs as do my training team. And they'll tell you, like, you just don't know what's coming through your door. Some of them are just so lovely and friendly, but then some of them are absolutely terrified and they'll use aggression to create space. Some of them are terrified and they'll fall. Some of them are so bold that and, 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 and they're so full of drive that... You know, it's it's sport. It's like it's 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 a self-rewarding behaviour. I couldn't find any specific research on the genetics of XL bullies, but what I did find is some research that looked at the impact of genetics uh, with dogs that are bred for hunting purposes, um, so more aggressive dogs, arguably, and brain differences. So there are there are genetic influences that impact. Yeah, but what we have to understand is what makes up that dog is game-bred dogs. Game-bred dogs make up the XL bully and genetics can, can lay dormant. You know, every person who comes to me with, with a dog that's bitten, they all have the same the same kinds of story. Generally, obviously, there's exceptions, but it's it's more, oh, we've had them for like three years. He's never done that before. And, you know, when it's when it's a spontaneous bite, it can, it can come out of nowhere. The reason this is even being discussed, the reason this has even come about is because we're talking about a, a type of dog that has the capacity and has proven the capacity uh, to have the capacity again and again to take human life. And that is done in a way that is horrendous. And, you know, I, I mustn't lose sight of the fact, irrespective of what my uh, personal beliefs are on effectiveness of bands or on given breeds or on training or on anything else, there are people who have lost 
family members as a result of attacks by this specific type of dog. Now, I'm not singling the dog out and saying, you know, that we must therefore demonize the dog. There are plenty of examples of the same type of dog that are absolutely fine. I accept that. But the core, if you like, heart of this argument for me or of this situation for me needs to be the protection of innocent human life. Yeah. Well, people should always be the priority. So does banning dog breeds improve public safety in the UK? One study reviewed 99 court cases which involved dogs spanning from 1992 to 2019 to see if the laws were effective. They covered various sections of the Dangerous Dogs Act. The first was Section 1 cases, which covered a list of the breeds that were banned. And then they also looked at Section 1 and 3 cases, which covered the banned breeds and their behaviour together. They found that in Section 1 cases, 75% of the dogs were euthanised. But many of them were put to sleep for really minor breaches, like insurance lapses or not wearing a muzzle in a car or the dog not being able to be rehomed. So it was nothing to do with the behaviour of the dog. But in sections one and three cases where the banned breed was dangerously out of control, all of the dogs were destroyed. But within those statistics, banned breeds accounted for only 8% of all cases involving dangerously out of control dogs. So, while breed bans might play a role, they don't completely address the broader issue of dogs being dangerously out of control, which arguably poses a larger threat to public safety. As them years go on, them dog attacks come down. If the dog isn't around or is, you know, really, really uh, regulated, um, then the attacks have to stop. So, when we're talking about banning the breed, you know, in the now, it's if you ban XL bullies, and unfortunately that means that the ones that haven't got registered homes, they will be euthanised. If the numbers come down and everyone has to be regulated with them, then the attacks will stop. But it doesn't address the issue. And the issue is dogs in general are out of control in, in, this, in this day and age. There is a big problem. And I, I personally, you know, I grew up with bullies. I love bullies. I just don't see... An alternative that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna tackle this as as it stands. I hope to God that this ban isn't in vain. I I, I hope that they the, they make the necessary changes to sway the narrative. But to put a couple of things forward of what what needs the changes, you know the the rate at which dogs are being bred from, which which in them numbers means that aesthetics is going to prevail over temperament, is alarming. And it has to be said, we're living in a in a society that slowly. It's took, it's got speed to it now, but slowly over the last 20 years, we've been encouraged to view our dogs as children and, and not treat them as dogs anymore. And if you look at it, you know, I mean, you know, maybe it's just my opinion, but I, I'd say it directly correlates with out of control dogs. Dogs were not as out of control a while ago previous to this, this notion of making our dogs a Disney film as they are today. And that's the problem. If you try and regulate any, it now, you're going to talk, you're looking at a decade before it starts taking effect and the narrative gets back to, oh, okay, maybe we need to start thinking about temperament more. Maybe we need to treat our dogs a little bit more like dogs. It's a very, very difficult situation. I was really shocked in this study that banned breeds only accounted for 8% of all of the cases of dangerously out of control dogs. That means that 92% mm. of dangerously out of control dogs uh, are, are dogs that aren't on that list. So I absolutely absolutely see the argument for banning a particular breed when we've seen the damage that that breed of dog can do we've seen the rate of attacks and the tragic 
real human stories that are attached to those. I absolutely can. I also think that it's important to think about what comes after the ban, how you deal, as you say, with that broader issue of dog behaviour and dogs being out of control. But the problem is, you know, what's it been? 1991 since the Pitbull ban. So 30 odd years it's took before this. We've got in this state of affairs again. Let's not Let's not have it move over to the next powerful breed and we repeat this cycle. Yeah. Let's learn from it and, and deal with it at the, at the root cause. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And of course, this study is looking at breed of dog and their behaviour and legislation. But actually, does science point to a better aggression indicator than just the type of breed? Well, I found a study that looked at the role of the neurotransmitter serotonin, which is involved in impulse control. Now, we know that a lack of serotonin is linked to increased aggression in both humans and primates. So this study looked at whether there are serotonin differences in the brains of aggressive dogs. Now, they investigated serotonin levels in dogs that were due to be put to sleep. And that included dogs that were going to be put to sleep because they were aggressive, but also dogs that were put to sleep for other reasons so that they can compare. And they, once the dogs were euthanized, they took cerebrospinal fluid samples, which they could analyze to see what the dog's serotonin levels were. And they found that aggressive dogs had lower serotonin levels compared to other dogs. And interestingly, a dogs that attacked without warning, or rather the warning signs were very easily missed, had even lower levels of serotonin as well. So there are definitely distinct differences in the brain chemistry of aggressive dogs. So the, the spontaneity of, of, of attacks could be linked to an even lower yeah. form of serotonin. That's yeah. interesting, isn't and, it? And you know, there was something similar done um, with humans, aggressive humans. There was a study that was done on, on people who'd murdered other people and it found lower levels of serotonin in murderers that had killed someone impulsively compared to people that had killed someone premeditatively. So I think the point there is impulse control, isn't it? One is premeditated, the other one is very impulsive and yeah. in the moment. But that absolutely mirrors what they were seeing with dogs. Okay, but there are plenty of other animals that have a reduced serotonin that don't go on to bite or kill. The capacity of the animal to be able to form or carry out the kind of attack that it does, reduce serotonin or not, brain size or not, it is a dog that is capable of that and has proven itself as a singular um, type yeah. of dog in 75% of fatalities. You can understand how a decision maker, if, I, if somebody is presenting me with data and saying, okay, here's your total number of fatal dog attacks on people, 75% of those attacks are as a result of one particular type of dog. So I know that I can eliminate potentially three quarters of human fatalities by simply saying, okay, that breed, we cannot allow it to continue as is. That's a very, very irrespective of how much somebody thinks my dog wouldn't mind. If this was a Labrador that was responsible for these 75% of attacks and this decision had been reached, despite the fact that I've got five of them, I can understand it. Yeah. I can understand the logic behind it. It makes sense. And okay, my dogs haven't done anything and that's absolutely true and nothing, no decision-making can make that any different. But I understand. I understand why I'm not going to come at it from an emotive, yeah, but what about mine? I understand how people are and why people are. Yeah. But I have to come at it from the perspective of people are 
dying. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And ultimately, that decision has to be in focus, in line with a reduction in the number of people Can dying. Can I just add as well, that hypothetical situation that Jamie just explained is my reality. My dog, Ralph, will be typed in this. I will have to go through the typing process criteria and register him and comply with all this. For anyone who's been following me on social media, I've put a lot of time and effort into that dog to, you know, because he had a lot of, of genetic drive. He wanted, he, you know, he, he, any little critters he'd be, he'd fix on and he, and he was, and he was reactive and, and aggressive towards dogs in some cases. And he's, he's honest to God, he's so lovable. Now he's, he's come through and now, He's not allowed off lead in a public place. He's, got, he's going to have to be muzzled. So it's a real sorry state of affairs that, w that we're in. And when they announced the ban, there was another like seven attacks and, and, yeah. and two fatalities or something. So what do we need to do to, to, to get control? Danny, one of the things I hear a lot is it's not the dog, it's the environment that they're raised in. What's your view on that? Yes and no. You know, I own personal protection dogs that I've trained myself and I'm in a community of, of people that do them and you don't hear of them killing people. We respect what we have and we and we go out of our way to train so the dog understands contextually how to conduct themselves in the in the living environment they're in. What you're left with 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 your with your bully breed, your, your XL bullies is a big powerful dog that can have these game bred genetics laying dormant. But they're owned by by people that don't respect it. And that's not a diss on the people that that own them. I'm sure not everyone's like this, but most people will view them as a nanny dog. It's the most common thing you'll hear about bull breeds on the, the nanny dogs, the nanny dogs. And it's so frustrating because just respecting what you have just makes you go that extra mile and, and, and make, make, um, make choices that can, can prevent this happening. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, there, there are genetic traits in, in game bred dogs that we have to respect. You can, you can argue against it all you want, but there is, there is science out there that, that, that backs it up. They were bred for purpose once upon a time and them genetics are, are there. Yeah. So one thing that I'd heard is that um, the, the genetics of the dogs can mean that they'll react to high-pitched voices, uh, you know, high-pitched squeals because yeah. it, it's, Puts it's them a, a trigger. Drive. Yeah, it's a trigger like prey would make. But of course, the noise that children playing can make can be quite yeah. similar to that. So there have been experiences where dogs will hear a child playing and squealing and have, uh, uh, it's put them in a state yeah. of drive. Bull breeds don't bite like like Malinois. Malinois will bite, give a quick shake and push. Bull breeds will shake, 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 shake. It's it's devastating when you can when you combine the force with it. So again, taking all this into consideration, it's it, what what do you do with them yeah. numbers when them numbers back that? It's I mean, honest to God, it's so upsetting. People have to come first, and 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 people are dying. Yeah. I can see how conflicted you are, even in I this am, I am, I hate it. I love bull breeds. I grew up with bull breeds. I've said it on numerous um, yeah. episodes. I grew up with bull breeds and I've seen this in bull breeds. It was, it was the biggest games I play with, with my dogs when, you know, Savage Bull Terror used to pull branches down on trees and she'd hang on it and just do that, just shake on it all the time. And that was her drive. She'd be knackered, we go back home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The question is, are there always warning signs that a dog is going to bite? Well, it would be somewhat unethical to try and set up a, an experiment where dogs randomly bite people. So this study looked at 150 videos of dogs biting people that were posted on YouTube to analyse them to assess the behavioural changes just before they bit. And they found that bites most commonly occurred when someone was standing or leaning over a dog or when they were petting or restraining them, especially about 20 to 30 seconds before the dog bit. 
About 30 seconds before a bite, dogs would often show a change in their posture. So they might hold their bodies low, for example, and their ears might move, so they're not in a neutral position anymore. About 20 seconds before they'd bite, they'd see behaviours like lip licking and staring, or they, the dog would stiffen up, or it might even snap or growl. The majority of the dogs that are involved in these incidents were actually German Shepherds, pit bulls, Labradors and Chihuahuas. Now, Chihuahuas might surprise you, but despite being small, they have been found in other behaviour studies to exhibit much higher than average aggression. This study found bites would rarely happen without any warning. There were always signs, but they were often quite subtle and they weren't always noticed or recognised by people. Little dogs bite quite a lot. Yeah. It's a question I always ask when I get clients in with little dogs who are biting. I say, oh, did you go to the hospital with that now? Yeah. Because it's a little dog. But when a, if, if a dog of, 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 of the size of like a, you know, a, a bully, a Rottweiler, that, that kind of dog bites you, there's, there's a significant injury, do you know, and an immediate risk of death when, when a dog like that gets a grip here. But I think a lot, most, little, most little dogs, I've found a lot like chihuahuas, they're usually fed up of being picked up and <laughs> yeah. messed around with and no one listens, no one follows the signs and signals that they're letting you know and eventually always bit me out of nowhere. Well, why? I was forcing them in my handbag or I was doing this, you know what I mean? There are risk factors that are linked to the severity of a bite, actually. Severe bites are greater amongst older victims, they found, mm -hmm. or when the victim isn't the owner of the dog. Yeah. Um, also, when the bite happens in public, they tend to be more severe. And you might not be surprised on this one, when the dog isn't playing, they tend yeah, to be more severe. But sense. what are, generally, what are the warning signs that a dog is going to bite? Let's look, go through the reasons first. You know, there's many, many intricate reasons, but generally speaking, you've got like space creating behavior, resource garden, you've got genetic fulfillment, dominance and defense. You could probably add into dominance like trying to achieve a result, you know, if they're in competition with something or they want to control a situation. Dogs can raise, you know, their, their levels of aggression to achieve a result. You see it, you, yeah. you see it all the time. There's a number of ways that dogs um, tell you that, that they're going to bite, but you've, and, and they're always telling you, you've just got to be making sure that you're listening to what they're saying. Um, the biggest one you see really instantly is that freeze and that whale eye where they'll slightly, they'll keep your eye on you, but turn the head off to the side and they'll freeze a moment in time, usually follow with ears slightly back as well. Obviously, you've got your normal, your snarls, your growls, your grumbles, um, your lip licking, all this kind of stuff. There's so many things. There's so many. There's the, the list's endless. And just focusing on one's not going to give you a result. What I would say it's best to focus on is what am I doing to that dog? Is that dog enjoying this interaction? And am, am I being a nuisance? Do you know what I mean? Am I putting myself or, or my children or a stranger in a position where my dog's not going to be comfortable? Does my dog have the option to escape that situation? Because if they don't, they're only left with coming forward. So if you were to explain to someone how to approach a dog that they don't know, what would be the best way to do it? For, for what reason? I wouldn't. Just don't approach it. Fair don't enough. Don't approach a dog you don't know, yeah. For example, if they'd ask someone if I could come and pet your dog and they said, yeah, the dog's friendly, but you're still being sensible about it, what's the best way to do invite it? Invite the dog to come to you. Okay. Yeah, invite the dog to come to you. Don't enter his space. Don't try and surround him. Don't put your face near the dog, but invite the dog to come to you. You know, there's a lot of things that we do to dogs that can spark a defensive reaction. We make ourselves bigger. We can show weaponry. Ah, oh, I love dogs. It's the same sort of thing as you might do to trigger a defensive response in training. A police dog, for example, you know, whether we're going or going, they don't really see the, the differences in that yeah. moment in time, especially if they're feeling a bit threatened. You know what I mean? All they see is you've just made yourself bigger and you're flying towards them in the personal space. So it's always better to invite them in. Because playing into that, there are things that we do when we meet other people that are 
part and parcel of social interaction that mean completely different things to a dog. So eye contact between you and I is really polite, but eye contact between you and a dog that you don't know could be taken as a challenge yeah. by that dog. We've had loads of questions on this topic, so let's try and get through as many as we can. Shira says, help. I have an XL bully puppy. What do I need to do to comply with the ban? And is there anything I should be looking out for in my dog's behaviour? Shira, let's get rid of the help for now. You, you don't have to panic. There's no sense of, of, of um, urgency because as your dog's a puppy, they don't meet the criteria. Um, there's no such um, pedigrees that you can put forward and go, he's an XL, an XL bully. Um, when a dog's a puppy, they don't meet the criteria. It's as simple as that. So you've got a bit of time to play with. Obviously, you're going to have to monitor your dog as they get older because as they start to meet the criteria, then you're going to have to start going through the legislation because you don't want to be in a, a situation where your dog's going to be seized. Um, what you can do is train your dog. Make sure that your dog's comfortable in a muzzle. Make sure that you've got plenty of enrichment games that you're playing that will keep within the uh, the law, i.e. everything's not built around your puppy having loads of off-lead time, which is lovely to have with a puppy. But I would suggest you start getting used to getting your dog um, enriched by being on a lead and exercising your dog on a lead, playing games with your dog on a lead, that kind of thing. And I would make sure that you pay a particular emphasis to making sure your dog's comfortable in a public place and is not going to cause any member of the public alarm or distress. Basically, you're going to have your dog trained to be bob on, not cause anyone any sorts of trouble and um, comply. So solid obedience training, yeah. solid muzzle training. Yeah. Think about the point at which your dog is going to comply with the ban, making sure that your dog is neutered, making sure that you've got appropriate third-party insurance and making sure that you have the certificate of exemption at the right point in time. Yeah. For whatever reason you see any behaviour that you're, you're wary of, make sure you're working with a reputable dog trainer. I'd be happy to advise if you want to message me. Um, but be selective of who you're training with. Make sure you fully vet the trainer you're working with. Question two. Anouk from Feltham Close in Hampshire. How do you get a dog to release a bite? The most effective way to get a dog to release if you're aiding someone else is to restrict the oxygen. So if you constrict the oxygen to any mammal within you know, three to 10 seconds, you're going to reach unconsciousness. So, but like again, MMA fighters. Yeah, yeah, like a real naked choke. choke. Yeah. yeah it, you're basically yeah. just going to put the lights out for a bit, wake up in a better mood. Um, that's not to say it's that straightforward. You know, physical presence will pay, play a part in that. Um, when you're talking about a dog's attacking you and you're on your own, especially a dog of that size and stature, it becomes a little bit more difficult. And what I would say in that situation is anything goes. There's some dangerous information I've seen um, released from people that you would expect to, to to know better, like organisations. And it's, they still push this whole, let's try and distract dogs with biscuits. Dogs that are in a state of fight and they're thrashing around on a bite are not interested in rewards. Don't, they can't be reasoned with. You do whatever you need to do to survive. Self-preservation is paramount. The dog's life means nothing in that one moment in time compared to your life. You do what you need to do to survive. If people want to get in touch, Jamie, with more questions, how can they do so? You can find us on social media by typing in at Dog Scholar Podcast, or alternatively, you can email us podcast at thedogscholar.com. That's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, please share it with a friend. And if they don't like it, maybe their dogs will. Danny, serious one this time, but what's your final thought? It is very serious. I, I just want to make a point of saying, you know, we're, we are all in this together, whether you own a bully breed or not. You know, we're all a nation of dog lovers and it's tragic that it's come to this. Um, I really hope that everyone at home 
complies with this legislation. I've seen a lot on the internet of people like, stand up against it, don't register your dogs, don't comply. Don't listen to any of that because if you don't comply, you're going to put your dog in a situation where it's going to lose its life. On another note, I would say we've established that dogs bite for a, a, a variety of different reasons, but they're always telling you that they're going to bite sometimes months before. Just make sure you listen to what they're saying.